0: enjoy every once in a while something will happen with one of my kids that as a parent I know I need to address with them so I'll pull him or her aside and say we need to talk their initial reaction is usually "Uh oh what did I do if you're a parent you know exactly what I'm talking about but my reason for wanting to talk to them about it is not because I want to discipline them from what they did even though it might mean I need to take away technology for a time instead I want to talk to them about it because I want them to know that we don't ignore or run from difficult topics. We deal with them by talking about and through them. That healing, growth, and freedom come when we're willing to talk about it. Today, we're beginning a new series that I believe is going to be very impactful for us called Let's Talk About It. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about something that impacts every single one of us, whether personally or someone we personally care about. We're gonna talk about mental health. One of the biggest long-term effects of 2020 is the impact it has and will have on our mental health. Approximately 20% of Americans were wrestling with mental health-related issues, and this was pre-COVID. But because of COVID and the other challenges of 2020, that number is over 30%. And with students ages 11 to 17, it's even higher. Depression meds alone are up 300%. And increasing. There are a lot of reasons we're doing this series, but one of the primary reasons is that for some reason there's a stigma attached to mental health in the church. There's this mindset that if you follow Jesus you shouldn't struggle with any of that. That everything should just be okay all the time. I want you to know this is not a faith issue because it's not a sin to be sick whether you're sick physically or sick in some other way. That means sometimes it's necessary to be medicated for things like depression. If so, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or your faith. So I want you to know upfront, it's okay not to be okay. That every local church is filled with people, starting with me, who are messed up. Some of us, we just got in the hospital a little bit ahead of you, but we're all dealing with something and we're letting God work in our lives. So I wanna say to you, as I say to my kids, let's talk about it. Because I believe the local church should be the safest place to do that. Otherwise, we'll just hide it and continue to feel shame about it. And that's when all sorts of problems come in. Let me give you another reason why we need to talk about it in church. Because God is not silent on this topic. No stigma from God, he understands. That by talking about it, we're actually inviting him into it. And when we invite God into anything, we discover true hope. Today, we're going to talk about the number one mental health problem in the world. Everyone either deals with this or knows someone who is. I have personally battled with this and people in my family are battling with it. So this one hits really close to home for me. We're going to talk about depression. Let me give you a definition of what depression is. Depression is a mood disorder characterized by what they call anhedonia. Anhedonia is this inability to feel any pleasure anymore. Things that used to bring you pleasure simply don't anymore. One psychologist defined depression as a lethal absence of hope. You just feel like giving up. Depressed people, they sometimes experience extreme sadness and poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, and feelings of guilt, helplessness, and also hopelessness. When I first read that definition and the symptoms we experienced from it, I realized that every one of us are somewhere on this list, that all of us deal with issues of depression from time to time, especially because of all we experienced in the last year. One of the things I love about the Bible is that it's filled with real people who wrestled with real problems just like us, and that includes mental health issues. It's why, if you're not a Bible reader, I just think you should try reading it because you can identify with the people in it. In fact, some of the great people of faith, they struggled with depression. And we're going to look at a story of one of those great people of faith who went through his own bout of depression. His name? Elijah. Elijah had seen God do a lot of miraculous things in his life. He walked so closely with God that people just called him man of God. Well, we're going to pick up Elijah's story where he gets involved in what is often called the showdown on Mount Carmel. One day, Elijah challenged all the prophets of Baal to a showdown. They were to both offer their own sacrifices and then see which god responds. It's a great story. It's like the final battle of any superhero movie. Well, the prophets of Baal, they pray, but nothing happens. Elijah prays and God sends fire and consumes his sacrifice. Then Elijah turns to the prophets of Baal and has all of them put to death. Now, I realize that you might have a hard time relating to that part of Elijah's story, but you will be related to the next part. As Elijah's feeling on top of the world, living on top of the mountain, however, things suddenly change for him and he gets depressed. But before we get to his story, let me say something about what many of you believe about God. Many of you think, if we're where we're supposed to be with God, we're always going to be on the mountaintop. Things should be easy. That is not true. With God, sometimes there are mountaintops, and sometimes there are valleys, and sometimes there's everything in between. So here's Elijah on the mountaintop. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. Now Ahab is the king at the time, and he's married to Jezebel. Now, Ahab may be the king in title, but Jezebel, his wife, is definitely running the show. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And so Jezebel threatens Elijah, by the end of the day tomorrow, I'll have you killed. And here's how Elijah responds. Said Elijah was afraid. And so this courageous man of God responds in fear and ran for his life, which is our natural tendency when we're afraid. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. In other words, he isolated himself. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. And then listen to this prayer. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. You ever feel like that? Let me just say, if you feel like this now and you're thinking about taking your life, we wanna help. I want you to stop what you're doing and I want you to call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And here's that number, 1-800-273-8255. It's 1-800-273-8255. I want you to to talk with someone who is there to lovingly walk with you. You just need to know that you're not alone in how you feel. But if there's ever been a time when you wanted to run and escape, do you know what that makes you? Normal. It's what we choose to do in those moments that matters. Now, from Elijah's story, we can learn three things about all mental health disorders, including depression. Now, please understand that depression is a very complex issue there are just multiple layers to it psychological mental emotional and even spiritual so keep that in mind as i go through these three things first thing to keep in mind is that elijah had faulty thinking elijah was doing what psychologists call ruminating and ruminating is a disorder where we engage in what's called self-talk this is where we create negative things in our mind that aren't true and we just sit there and we ruminate on those thoughts. I catch myself doing this a few hours after I speak. I just sit and kind of rehearse the message and the reaction or non-reaction to it, and I I go, well, that sucked, or that was awful, God didn't use you, you should quit, and those cycles of thoughts just keep going through my mind. The second thing we learn from Elijah's story about mental health is Elijah's feelings led to isolation. That Elijah felt afraid, so he ran. And he was running away with his servant at first. Eventually, though, he left his servant and went on by himself. He isolated, which makes sense because your natural tendency when you start feeling depressed is to isolate because you often feel ashamed, embarrassed, and you just don't feel like being around anyone. Do you know why your tendency is to isolate? Your feelings will lead you that way every single time you need to realize that your emotions lie to you. They're like the Dow Jones, they go up and down. There's good ones and there's bad ones. And when you trust in the bad ones, they will always lead you to the wrong place. I mean, this is what happened to Elijah. He trusted in the wrong feelings and he ended up alone and in the wrong place. Third thing we learned is that Elijah played the comparison game. Remember what he said? He said, I am no better than my ancestors. We do this all the time oh my life isn't that good i'm a failure i'm a nobody i don't have what it takes i don't measure up let me ask you how do you know that you think you know that because you compare yourself with everyone else and now we have social media where you're comparing your miserable moments to everyone's highlight reels but let me tell you a little secret nobody's life is as good as it looks on Instagram, including mine. So if you follow me, I might make it look pretty, but it's not all that pretty. I posted this picture on Thanksgiving, and look at this picture. We all look happy, right? But trust me, we were anything but happy on Thanksgiving. But I'm not gonna post that, and I'm not gonna post something where I say, "Oh, here's a picture of me saying something I regret to my wife. I'm not gonna post that, and either is anyone else. But this is important because it leads to the faulty thinking. And we just start ruminating on that stuff. Well, if you're struggling with depression, or you know someone who is, I want to spend the rest of my time getting real practical with you. And the way that I want to do that is I want to give you one word that if you think through this filter, it'll go a long way to help. And it's a word we see in Elijah's story. And Here's our word. Engage. With depression, our tendency is to isolate or disengage. So it makes sense that a big part in battling it is to learn to engage. And so here are three ways I want to encourage you to engage. Here's, here's the first way. I want you to engage physically. Right after Elijah prayed, I've had enough, God. Take my life. God begins to care for him. Listen to what he says. He says, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. So notice what Elijah does. First, he takes a nap. Actually, he takes two of them. Many of you are going through life at an unsustainable pace and it's not only messing you up physically, but it's also messing up your mind. You need to slow down because eventually, you're gonna crash. After this, I wanna encourage you to go home if that's if you're not home right now. I want you to turn off all your devices. I want you to lay down on your couch or on your bed and take a long nap. And you know what? I want you to do it in Jesus' name. And if someone says, you don't have time to take a nap right now, you just say, I'm just applying what I learned in church today. You might think, I have too much to do. You always do. Take a nap. God showed up for Elijah, and he'll show up for you as well. Well, Elijah, now he takes a nap. He also eats. One of the best things that you can do is to just go sit down and have a one to two hour meal with family or close friends, and just enjoy connecting with one another through conversations, and then take a nap. You know, the third thing that you can do is you can engage in exercise. Uh, The body is one of the most effective things that we can do to help move us out of the state of depression. Uh, Recently, there was a study done where they took a large group of people who struggled with major depression. And then they took this group of people and prescribed 20 to 30 minutes of walking each day. I mean, that was the prescription. Well, they tracked this group of people and found that 65% of them, after the study ended, After just doing 20 to 30 minutes of walking every day, we're no longer depressed. Is it a silver bullet? No. Again, because depression is very complex. But just that one thing of engaging the body and getting the blood going went a long way to helping. So first thing I want you to start doing is I want you to start engaging physically. The second thing I want you to do to engage is I want you to engage your mind in what is true. Literally. Think about what you think about. In Elijah's story, he was ruminating. Oh, God, I'm the only one in this entire country that is committed to you. But here's what God said to him. He said, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And so Elijah's ruminating. Oh, God, I'm the only one. And God responds back. Actually, Elijah, that's not true. There are 7,000 just like you. Now, this is so important because we need something to counter our faulty thinking. This is why each day, the first thing I do when I get up, after getting the coffee, of course, I spend some time with God, read the Bible, spend some time in prayer. I start my day filling my mind with truth. Here's what Jesus said about the importance of filling our mind with truth. He said this, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, according to Jesus, here's why truth is important. Because truth leads to freedom. I have a counselor friend who, when I talk to him about my ruminating issue I referred to earlier, he'll say this every time. He'll say, Mark, I want you to grab onto what's true. Ask yourself what's really true. Every time I do that, it breaks the cycle of self-talk, and I experience freedom from it. As a part of the series, we have a great resource page for you. And on it are some daily devotions to help you connect with God. One of the most significant steps you can do for you in 2021 is start to spend daily time with God, even if it's just a few minutes a day. Engage your mind in what is true. Not what everyone else thinks, not what you think, or what your emotions say. Third way that I want you to engage. I want you to engage in community. Look at what God did for Elijah. It says, Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel molah to succeed you as prophet. Now, I hope I never have to read that verse again. But what did God do for Elijah? He brought him Elisha. You know, I understand why we have to wear masks nowadays. But do you know what I can't stand the most about wearing a mask? It hides people's expressions. We can't see what they're fully thinking and feeling which makes it hard to truly connect. Research shows that isolation is one of the worst things you can do for depression because isolation is like putting on an internal mask. It's our way of hiding what's really going on. God's solution for that isolation is community. You know, this is why we talk so much about wanting everyone in a small group. Groups is not a program of our church. Groups is our church because God created us for community. You need to be around other Jesus followers who you are able to tell what's really going on in your life. When I talk about really going on, that includes things like your battle with depression. You pursue this and watch God bring healing to your life because it'll allow you to remove that internal mask and live in freedom. If you're not in a small group, we have a bunch of new ones that are starting around this series, and all of them are online. Once again, here's the link to our resource page. I wanna encourage you to go to it and find out more about how you can engage in community. Recently, I was reading an interview with a nationally recognized pain expert. This person works with patients who experience chronic pain every single day, who on a pain scale from one to 10, with 10 being the highest, these are patients on the 8 to 10 range. So he works with patients with very difficult circumstances. During the interview, he was talking about how he can provide medications and physical therapy and some treatments to help their body, and all are important. But then he was asked, what's the most important thing that you do on the pain side? And do you know what his answer was? It might surprise you. He said, the most important thing I do is to make sure I don't destroy someone's hope. If I destroy their hope, I lose them. I don't know what you might be dealing with right now and the ripple effect of everything from last year. You know, either you or someone else is dealing with something. I don't know what it is. But I want you to know there's hope. That God understands, God cares, and wants to walk with you through it. And so do we. That's the beauty of the local church. When you feel like giving up and losing hope, we're all here because none of us has it all together. We're all here to keep each other from losing hope. Let me pray for us. Father, um, I thank you that we can come to you with our, our brokenness, our messiness, our struggles, whatever that may be. And uh, you welcome that. And not only can we come to you, that we can invite you into it. And so, Father, I pray that... Uh, Whatever we're dealing with right now, that whatever it might be, whether it be depression or some other mental health related issue, that our beginning point as we kick off the series would just be being open and honest with you and inviting you into our struggles. God, our tendency is to just kind of isolate ourselves because we're embarrassed, we're ashamed, we're afraid to let anybody know, and even you, God, what we're really dealing with. And so I, I pray, God, we take this first step with you. And then, God, we would take this second step and be open to letting someone else in, instead of isolating, engaging with others as we walk through this, and so they can walk through it with us. Father, as we kick off the series, I pray for the next couple of weeks and the journey that we will be on. God, uh, some of us, this is going to hit close to home, because these are things that that we are really battling with right now. But, Father, there's also for others... Uh, It's not going to be us. It's going to be those that are close to us, those that we care about. And so, God, may we have the courage, and we have the wisdom to walk with them as they battle through this. Father, thank you that we get to do this together. Thank you for the local church, uh, that we're all struggling, messed up, works in progress. And I thank you. That's exactly the way you like it, because you do great work. Thank you for our time, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.